welcome to another episode of Two Guys, One Dice Cup. This is episode 7, uh, entitled The Captain's Table, Scotland. So my name is Al Goldeneye Unicorn, and thankfully, as always, I have got Phil from Harash's Cairns with me. Hello, Phil. Yes, you've got me here as well, yes. Fantastic. We also have another voice uh, on the podcast with us today, and that is Dave the Kilted Kiwi Miller. Hello. Good to see good to be here, guys. Welcome, Dave. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Uh, we will explore Dave <laughs> a little bit further, uh, sorry, a little <laughs> bit more further on in the podcast. Um, but Dave being with us today, he gives us the title for our podcast. Um, he is the captain of the Scottish Blood Bowl team uh, and we'll be doing a bit of an in-depth interview with Dave, but he's also here for all the other segments. So Dave, I hope you're ready to uh, get probed. Yeah, <laughs> I'm looking I'll, forward I'll... to getting knuckle deep in Dave as we uh, traverse these questions. Excellent, excellent. And Al, I hope you're risk deep. Yes, I will do my very, very, very best. Um, front front so... or back? I'll take front. Uh, all right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so um, stay with us, guys, uh, for episode seven. Um, we'll just do a shout out to our rookie coaches as well. Just we haven't forgotten you guys, but um, as we've mentioned over the past couple of podcasts, we're waiting for season 2020 to properly kick off and be released before we go back and do any more team reviews. So uh, stay with us, I think. Uh, during our conversation with Dave, uh, as the Scottish Blood Bowl captain, he comes with a lot of experience, a lot of stories, and maybe he'll drop one of those um, nuggets of gold in our lap uh, during the podcast. So, well, you want to take us on to section one? Yeah, so section one is uh, usually on the games front. So uh, what have we all been doing uh, during this lockdown period, be it in real life or online? and uh, what sort of things have we been uh, enjoying games-wise. So, Al, what have you been up to? For myself, uh, everything has been online, sadly. Uh, I don't think... I think we can safely say 2020 is now fucked beyond a joke. Uh, any tournament that was scheduled has now been cancelled, and nobody is even talking about thinking about running anything anymore so this year so it's done um but all my gaming has been on the uh, fumble on the gentleman's uh league of extraordinary gentlemen is that what we're doing no <laughs> no, no it isn't it's the, the league of extraordinary linemen all right there you go that one. <laughs> um, whatever it's called <laughs> So I think since did, the did you not time, did you not did you not wonder why your team was all linemen Al? <laughs> no, I knew I knew why it was linemen, but I guess some of them are pretty extraordinary now. But uh, so no, all my games have been on that. So I think I've done two or three matches since our last podcast. Uh, I don't think I've won. Who have I played? I don't know. I think we'd only just started when the the last podcast came out. So. Um, okay. Well, I've, I've five games now. Have I? In total, oh, it doesn't, yeah. Doesn't feel like that. So look, we've played uh, against some chaos packed marauders. Uh, that was uh, the Huntley Loon. 
and that was quite recent, I think. And he, look, he beat me one nil. I am playing high elves, and the story of most of my games are failing go for it, failing two plus dodges, uh, and white line fever all over the place. Elves still got to roll twos, still got to roll twos. Yeah, it's horrible. Um, but the highlight of my game against the Huntley Loon was the eight completions that I made during the game. <laughs> all of the first half. <laughs> oh, it was amazing. No, it was it's hilarious. It was six, six <laughs> in the first half, two uh, in the second half, and I was just winging the ball, just racking up star player points. Um, <laughs> but there was no real, there was no real highlights to that one. Uh, I played against. Um, Oh, Space Gandalf. Uh, he's got Chaos Beastman. Um, yeah, that's right. And I managed to I managed to actually outblock him. Um, cause like five casualties on him and one one nil or two one. It's quite brutal. Quite a brutal game. Um, but very enjoyable all the same. Oh, and now sadly, Phil. Yes, we played each other, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> and we had we we advertised it through our Facebook page through two guys one dice cup, uh, and nobody came to watch. <laughs> no, no fucker came to watch. Well, that's a lie. Uh, some of our usual uh, our usual friends came and watched the the good guys. They they came to watch, and um, I lost. Was it one nil? Two one. Two one, okay. Lost two one. I don't remember any highlights, um, but I do. <laughs> I do remember. Do remember. I've I've laughed a lot during all the online games I've played, and uh, the league of extraordinary gentlemen linemen, and it's been really good fun. So yeah, I'm, I'm I'm thoroughly enjoying it, and that's the only that's the only sort of blood bowl um, type gaming I've done. Uh, so yeah. Phil, what's what's your situation been? Uh, most of mine's been in the League of Extraordinary Linemen as well. Um, so currently, aside from uh, beating you, um, I've had quite a good run. Um, I smashed uh, JC in the first game that I played 3-0. Um, I beat, uh, what's his name, Hipster Potter uh, 4-1. Um, I beat you 2-1, then beat Space Gandalf 2-1, and then I beat Stephen Brands 3-0 in the last game. So we're currently um down to the last game in the in the, the league. And I've it's effectively it's between me and uh Huntley Loon for the for the title. Just uh, showing off like your scorelines. Yeah, I'm on fourteen touchdowns, four three against and eleven casualties for no, seven casualties for four against. And uh oh. yeah, it's been pretty good. The Amazons have been pretty pretty handy. Uh it was a good uh, good call going them, I think. Uh, they start off pretty pretty good with everybody having dodge, of course. So um yeah. But um no, it's been it's been total fun. Even even your game uh with me was uh although I stalled twice and uh just uh hung out the uh the score line uh well, well, I I removed all your players from the pitch. I think it wasn't quite a pitch clear, but it's uh, it you you did start disintegrating around uh, around them. But it was still, you know, 
good entertainment. And uh, I think the one thing I'm still thankful for in the league is that nobody played dwarfs. Just had oh, yeah. a lot to start with, and armor nine. That was that was a real um, a real bonus for us all. We're not being demoralised. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, obviously they they don't have a natural ball carrier, so I mean they're they're going to struggle to move the ball around the pitch much. But if they remove all of your players in the process, then yeah, yeah, it's not so good. Um, other than that, though, so that that'll be going down to the wire between me and Huntley Loon at some point in the next week. I'll put I'll put up a, a note on the page just in case somebody actually wants to come and watch us this time. Um and then um I've been playing a bit on BB2. I'm I'm having an absolute fallout with BB2 at the moment. Um uh, like almost every game I play, I've had a death against me in each game, at least one death. And then uh it it, it sort of uh, ended in a game, I, play, I ended up playing Liam from Two Dump, Drunk Flings tonight, mm. um, and it was unreal. Uh, <laughs> he was streaming it at the time, so he was playing Halflings, and I was playing Goblins. And the game started really, really well for me. I was kicking to him. Uh, he made a, a bit of a mistake and left me a chainsaw uh, opportunity on Zara, so I piled in there and injured her. She was ball carrying. Um, and then <laughs> it just went downhill from there. Uh, like I think I ended up the first half uh, with no trolls on the pitch. And I oh, uh, ended up playing the second half without any trolls. Uh, it was it was uh, nil-nil at the end of the first half. And then it ended up being one-nil to him. I only had three players on the pitch at the end. Uh, but it was all down to a, a dodge. Uh, from him at the end, so it was a it was an amazing game. It'll be up on uh, their YouTube channel, so it's worth it's worth having a watch back for that just to see how many ones I rolled in the game. Uh, it was it was a brilliant one. But other than that, I'm getting pig sick of the dice on Blood Bowl two at the moment, so I'll pr I'll probably just concentrate a bit on Fumble. Uh, I think I've just joined the next season of the Alba League as well up here, so. Uh, we'll be playing that uh, over the next eleven weeks or some something, so that should be fun as well. How about yourself, Dave? What have you been doing online? Well, um, a little bit of Blood Bowl too. Um, it's uh, I find it harder to get into Blood Bowl online. Um, you know, there's, there's many online games I can play that are that are solely based online. Um, you know, I choose to play a game like Blood Bowl because I like the the social interaction. And uh, you know, playing with little toys. So uh, for me, you know, really tabletop is is king for it. Um, we've got the the Murder Bowl League, um, which is my my local ish league, um, which is uh, we've had a couple of gaming weekends, uh, one day events, um, just just league days, um, which has been good. I'm running Norse this season, and three one zero so far. So that's good. Drew with some dwarves, which you'd expect a, a relatively rookie Norse team to um, achieve. Um, I uh, kept trying to um, taunt them into frenzy traps, and uh, the dice were against me. Uh, I uh, you know, re-rolled a, uh, a down, um, uh, both down on a runner that didn't have block, to try and push them into the crowd, sculled out. And uh, that cost me, you know, that player then was injured. 
and he then uh, surfed two of my players. So I was like that that fantastic frenzy trap that I set up. Well, it was uh, it was a fantastic trap. It just ended up being a trap for me. So wasn't particularly uh, particularly amused. But ho hum, those are the those are the trials and tribulations of uh, playing the Ants Dwarves. Everybody loves it. Yep. But uh, yeah, that's that's been it, uh, Blood Bowl wise, uh, recently. Yeah. Well, that's a a lot of internet's being used, but yeah, I um, I think I tend to agree with you, Dave, in that whenever it comes to Blood Bowl, the the tabletop version, the interaction with a real human and moving the little toy soldiers about, that's that's what does it for me. And yeah. I'm quite sure, I'm quite sure I mentioned that in the very first guys one dice cup podcast but as 2020 has moved on and has continued to be shit after shit after shit uh, i've really had to sort of buy into the the online gaming just for not just for the gaming but the human interaction because we um we always mic up during the games and quite a few people come on the channel as well so you get to interact with three or four different people at the same time Sounds like it's a, it's a potential middle ground, uh, COVID-related yeah. frenzy of uh, of activity. Yeah, yep. I I do like the um, the group chats that we were we've been having when we've been playing in the in the fumble week. Yeah, that make, that makes a bit of difference. But yeah, I'm I'm with both of you. The the kind of so the proper social interaction and seeing another human being in person. Uh, Playing playing a game in a more tactile way is definitely the the better part of uh, Blood Bowl uh, than the uh, the online experience. That's you like sure. you like you like to hear them whimper. Yes, <laughs> I, I I like I like to to look them directly in the eye uh, when they're beating me. Yeah. <laughs> so with all that being said and done. Um... What's on the table in terms of uh, actual hobby? And, you know, has anybody uh, been painting, building, bought anything, you know, that's that's it, worth talking it, about? And, and we'll it, throw that straight it, to Dave. What's, what's you it will come as a It will come as an absolute shock to Mr. Unicorn. I have been engaging in some hobby. Um, oh, I, I know. Dirty, I know. I know. Um, Games Workshop got to me. I was watching some television and an advert for uh, uh, Games Workshop Mortal Realms came out and I went, oh, what's that? And my partner said, you should do that. It's uh, For those of you that don't know, it's a weekly magazine. Um, one of those, you know, collect the cool thing in the first couple of magazines and then, uh, you know, buy a hundred uh, different magazines at, I don't know, about a fiver or something like that. And it... Uh, it comes in in monthly blocks at the moment and gives you um, some starter stuff for um, uh, Mortal Realms. Um, so I'm building that and playing along and doing my thing. I'm, I'm, I you know, won't surprise you well that I'm about sort of twenty weeks behind where I should be, and they're sitting in front of me at the moment. And I'm looking at them, going, "Huh, I should." I've actually stopped even taking them out of the coming coming four week lots. I've got two plastic bags of the four week lots. I've stopped taking them out of the big plastic bags. Because they take up this room if I leave them in the big plastic bags. Oh, but, but I do have um, some some models that I am I am painting and engaging in hobby, which is uh, is unlike me. I haven't uh, painted too much in the last uh, decade, I suppose you'd say. 
Yeah. Well, I think we're we're going to touch on a lot of that. Um, yeah. When we start to interview you, but you know, needless to say, that you've been in the hobby for a long time, and uh, you you pick and choose what you enjoy from it. But it is really good to hear that you're um, playing with the plastic again. So. Absolutely, and and picking up a paintbrush, which um, which is good, and you know, it, it steps you through basics because you know with with the new paint range coming out from from GW. I'll say recently, although some might dispute that. Um, you know, the, the nature of of even how to paint um in a in a to a decent standard uh, with those paints has changed, I think, drastically. Um and um I figured I'd better learn myself up. Yeah, I think for you it would be quite a drastic change, but it has been a gradual change in the style from Games Workshop. I think, you know, when you're talking about the sort of high water or the, the high water mark for your painting was back in the sort of early sort of 03, 04, 05, 06. Yeah. Um, in the interim, they've they've gone through a lot of different sort of paint revolutions with foundation paints and different undercoats. And, you know, now they've got this, um, oh, Phil, what's the bloody called? Contrast paints. stuff. The, the contrast paints, yeah. So yeah. it's all, it is, if you miss that, if you miss the middle, the middle um, sort of gap, is a huge difference between you know painting in two thousand and three and painting in twenty twenty. Um, yeah, uh, Phil, I'm gonna jump in and and just box off my hobby stuff as being zero. Um, <laughs> uh, thankfully, I've got good news to report that a house move is imminent in November. And there's a room in our new house that has been earmarked just for me. Uh, and that will be my little man cave, which I will create and I will be very happy with. But I have spent money. Oh, I feel filthy and dirty. Because um, previously in this series of podcasts, I don't like Kickstarters. They're fucking shit. <laughs> they take too long to deliver. <laughs> And you know they they really frustrate me. But it was a there was a Kickstarter last year for for Bolt Action, of course, um, and I resisted and I didn't buy anything into it due to COVID nineteen. There was a big delay. Surprise, surprise. So he reopened the Kickstarter again. Uh, all the models and stuff were already in manufacturing process so there's lots of pictures of piles of models so it wasn't going to be a huge thing but he reopened it for for 72 hours and i managed to resist right up until hour 65 when i caved <laughs> <laughs> and and i spent 220 euros oh jesus christ <laughs> Oh, <laughs> so I've dropped 220 euros on a bolt action World War II Falschmjäger German army. Uh, for those, I'm sure you've no idea, but they're the paratroopers uh, for the Germans, the Falschmjäger. I think I've bought like 120 models or something. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, and because it's going to post quite soon, I'm going to have to get it delivered to my mum's house because I'm not quite sure where I'll be. <laughs> you know, get it, get it, get it, get it delivered to me. I'll, I'll, I'll look after it for you. Yeah, and you'll just put it in a big corner and 
<laughs> disappear. Um, so yeah, I didn't do anything by halves. 220 euros, poof, gone. Just like that. Amazing. Yep. Well, Gail is well, with your story. What have I been doing? Um, so, as far as Games Workshop stuff goes, um, I've put together the Marauder Giant I bought a few months ago. Um, so I'm a way to start painting that in the next uh, couple of weeks. Um, I also... Um, there's a game sort of popped up in my feed um, by Mantic um, called uh, Kings of War Armada. Um, and like, I, I missed out on Man of War um, back when GW launched that because I just got out of the hobby when that when that happened. Uh, but it's always been one of the ones that I've been kind of sort of semi-interested in. And uh, this uh, Armada uh, game is a similar sort of thing. So it's... Uh, uh, fleets of uh, boats and uh, the sort of uh, high fantasy kind of setting. Um, so I'm I'm looking forward to that one. That should uh, it wasn't a Kickstarter. It was just a pre-order for um, I think twenty first of November uh, launch. But yeah, I, I quite fancy that one. Is that, is that the one they've done in conjunction with Warlord Games? Yeah. So it's kind of. Based off the uh, Black Black Seas, is that right? Black Seas by Warlord Games. Yeah. Um, so it's it's based off those rules, but been adapted to a fantasy setting. So I want I've, I've seen a couple of gameplay videos now, and uh, it seems to run really really slickly. Uh, one of the videos I watched, the the lad was playing with his wife. <laughs> oh yeah! <laughs> Can you and send then, me a link? <laughs> and then and then they throw some some dice as well, you know. Uh, but no, oh. <laughs> it, uh, he was uh, playing play a game of <laughs> of Armada with his wife, and she uh, she seemed to be getting the hang of it pretty easily. So uh, <laughs> it, it was uh, it it looked it looks pretty slick. I, I'm quite impressed with it, and the models look nice as well. Uh, they're made out of resin, um, and they seem to go together in a very logical kind of way, uh, which is uh, not uh, what can be said for a lot of GW stuff. Did I moan about the Snotling pump wagon in the last? Uh, I think you did, podcast? and I also yeah, I think, think I you. I also think you moaned about it on our um, Facebook page. So, yeah, yeah. You, you've done well on that one. So, so that uh, it, it, they look a lot better thought out than that. Uh, and I'm trying to think if there's anything else I bought. I ended up buying a Mega Gargant uh, as well uh, on pre-order at the weekend. Who's that for? Who's that just for? Age of Sigmar. Just, uh, right. just a, a big giant. I quite like the look of that. Just uh, it was a lot more expensive than I think anybody thought it was going to be. Uh, they're retailing at one hundred and twenty pounds. Um, Jesus, for one thing. I obviously uh, third party resellers uh, a bit cheaper than that. So far out, right, mate. Ninety six quid for mine. So can you just hear what I did for two hundred and twenty euros? I've got like a hundred Falschmeger fucking paratroopers coming in. Aye, but they're the bad guys, though. Nobody gives a fuck about them. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, I it was expensive, but I mean, it is a nice looking kit, and um, why the fuck not? You know, um, that, that's Ford, that's that's nearly Ford wheel pricing, really. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, it was a bit of a swerve, and I think I mean everybody will be aware that the Imperial Knight models are like hundred quid or thereabouts. So I think folk were expecting them to kind of come in at that sort of price, considering they're a, a similar size, they're a wee bit less bulky, uh, but same uh, part count really. Uh, but uh, yeah, obviously, GW are looking at um, their inflation uh, prices and uh, post Brexit prices, and I think they're starting to everything's starting to creep up for that. So um, yeah. It's gonna. It, the hobby's not gonna get any cheaper. Put it that way. Um, Trying to think if there's anything else I've bought. Not, not really. I don't think. Uh, that's about it. I just remembered something that I did buy, um, but I cannot find the appropriate link or even the name of the company. But they, um, they come out of Poland and they do uh, the busts. It's something that I've been wanting to start painting for a while and you know they do like fantasy wizards and half naked clad girl bust things um i can't even remember who the polish name is i feel like i'm doing them a disservice it's, is it ignis art or whatever it is yes i'm gonna i'm gonna go with ignis art i think um so they've been doing like slavic folklore um things i think let That's, me see that sounds um, Exactly like them. Yeah. So, which one did you go? Uh, do you remember what it looked like? Oh, yep. It's the cool-looking chick that's got the sort of potion bottle in her hand. That went on. Aye. Aye. Went on pre-order. I think they only did like two hundred and fifty of them. Yeah. And I scooped that up, uh, and they were doing a package deal, like you got that model, a mug, and another one. Uh, and I, I got some other one, some other folklore thing. I think she's got horns and stuff, but it's um, I've got a couple of other sort of sci sci-fi type busts as well, and it's something that you know I want to do in the next couple of years for painting is to change the scale and just challenge myself a bit more instead of spending. 150 hours on an army i'll spend excuse me i'll spend 150 hours on this one thing yeah um, so and i'm just sort of building up a little um collection of busts that look pretty cool as they come out and um yeah i think that that was quite they were quite expensive but worth it i think hundred and they look they look really nice it, it is ignis art um i think it is yes uh, there was one um, that I like the look of. I think it was called Lisa. Uh, that had uh, like antlers, like a deer. She's holding mm. like a butterfly thing. But they uh, haven't seen all of them. Uh, they all look pretty cool. No, they're, they're well done. Yeah. Those. Yep. So I'm I'm waiting for that to be delivered. That um, was like a pre-order thing. I don't think it ships until oh, like a week or two weeks time. So. Um... But yeah, it was just more money, more money spent. I, I really can't wait to to move house and get my hobby section, my hobby toby area set up again so I can really start pumping out some stuff. Yeah, yeah. So sounds, I think, sounds like a good one. So I think we're we'll moving on to that. the captain's table interview yeah. then, are we? 
So just an explanation to our listeners um, and to the rookie coaches, the captain's table, uh, we are lucky enough to be uh, friends of, of Dave and bringing him on, he can start off the captain's table with his view on Scotland. But our hope is that as the years roll on, we'll have captains of other nations that participate in Eurobowl, uh, but also captains of other other team events, such as the World Cup and the, the UK Team Championship uh, and just other, other teams in general. So we've, um, we've developed a set of questions for them, uh, some of which you guys will be familiar with because we, myself and Phil, use them to interview ourselves with. Um, but we've also done a little bit more work, uh, sort of focused towards the roles of the captain. So, uh, Dave, are you ready for the very, very first captain's table? I am. I am honoured that you have joined me at my table. Fa- fantastic. Thank you for having us at your table. Um, okay, so Phil, I'll, I'll kick off if, if you're okay with that. And we're going to do these turnabout, aren't we? Right. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. On you go. Yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, question one: um, What's your real name? And what's your gamer tag? And how did you actually end up with that that gamer tag? So, real name David Miller. Um, my gamer tag used to be Don Shula, and was for a number of years. Um, when I got back into Blood Bowl and joined the NAF. Um, I had just coached a perfect season uh, in my league, and I thought that uh, taking Don Shula was kind of just something to do. Um, but uh, feedback I got at UKTC a couple of years ago from an opponent um, when I was there uh, with my Scottish team, uh, kilted, etc. He said to me, but why why are you Don Shula? Are you a Dolphins fan? I said, no, no, I'm not, not really an American football fan at all. And he said, but you should be the kilted Kiwi. And it just, it stuck with me um, and changed my NAF name to Kilted Kiwi uh, because being from New Zealand um, and often kilted at tournaments, it uh, it just works. Yeah, pretty much. I always thought you were Australian for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> and it stops people calling me Australian. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, next question. Uh, first wargaming slash nerd experience. How did it all start for you? Um, you know, there was there was hushed um, uh, discussions behind the bike sheds at school uh, about uh, potentially playing some Dungeons and Dragons in the school library um, at lunchtime. And I did that a couple of times. And then one of the guys that was doing that said, you know, you should come along to the, the War Games Club um, on the weekend. Uh, the Otago Miniature Tactician Society in Dunedin meets the first, third and fifth Sundays of every month, if anybody's interested. What's the name um, of that club? Otago Miniature Tactician Society, OMTS. Yep. Um, so I jumped on my, on my bike and rode across town to uh, to the club, and there were people playing, you know, ancients and shako and all sorts of different stuff. Um, and there was a table of people playing uh, a big game of Warhammer Fantasy Battle, um, and 
uh, you know, they, they, so I was probably 12 or 13 at the time, and uh, somebody that was running a big chaos army said, oh, you know, look after this unit of knights for me. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing, et cetera, et cetera, and just sort of immersed myself in it from there. So my first War Games experience was uh, pushing a unit of Slaneshi Chaos Knights around the table um, in, oh, God, over 30 years ago. Yeah, so that was going to be my question. Like, so how long mm. has that all been going on for? Yeah, how, so I think that was, that, I think that was probably 31 years ago. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That there be a long time. That that is true. It's a long time to be a geek. It's um, yeah. it's much cooler being a geek now than it was thirty one years ago. I can tell you that for nothing. <laughs> yeah, it really yeah, is, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's a amount of uh, stick you used to get at school if you even looked at like you played war games. You know, it's uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, what's your current primary game system? Uh, like, which one are you sort of? majorly into i'm assuming it's probably blood bowl but uh yeah i mean the the reason i chose i chose blood bowl um it came back to me um i i used to play a lot of uh 40k um when i was when i was in australia before i came to the uk i've been here for about 13 years i was in based in melbourne for six years before then and played i mean victoria is a great place to play 40k there's there's a, a fantastic um, local scene. There's a fantastic statewide scene. There's a lot of national tournaments and stuff to go to. So, um, and I, I suppose for for a couple of years before I left um, Australia, I, I, I kind of I was I was the bleeding edge of 40k really in in Australasia for for a good couple of years. Uh, I went to all of the the grand tournaments in in all the state capitals in New Zealand. Um, and I think the only one I didn't win was was South Australia, where I got second. Um, and Games Workshop presented me with a with a special award for for being, you know, the the person that had travelled to them all and and won it all and done it all, which was pretty cool. Um, I can I can testify that I um, myself and Dave go all the way back to those times in Australia, and uh, you know he's not just telling a tall tale. It was a real a real thing that really happened. And you should probably also mention, Dave, that you did it with different armies. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Five five different armies, um, yep. winning winning five grand tournaments in in a year yep. was uh, yeah. yeah yeah that was that was special um, you know and you know I didn't I didn't think it could be done so I, so I tried to do it um, and I mean the good thing with uh, with the tournament scene over there well I think it's a good thing there was. You know, it's it's a complete hobby. There's uh, what you'd call soft scores in the UK, so uh, sportsmanship, compensate, comp- composition, painting, um, all added to, to your gaming score. So somebody can come along and be a grade A wanker and win uh, every game, and uh, everybody hates playing them, um, and they will not win the tournament. They'll win what's called the, the Bloodthirster or the Butcher Award, and they'll still get a prize, but that, that prize ain't first um, because... You know, we all should be uh, when we turn up to a hobby table, no matter what the game system is. You know, we all like to win, but we all like to hope that our opponents had a decent game as well. That's that's what it's about for me, really. Yeah, we, but, we um, talked about that in the, the last episode, uh, kind of the social contract that you enter into with other gamers when you start playing them, and it's, it's mostly yeah. about having a good experience. You know, you want to be in both coming out of the game 
regardless of who won or, or lost, uh, having had fun, you know, that's, that's what we want to aim for, I guess. Yeah. And um, so, I mean, absolutely. I mean, and on Blood Bowl, I've been playing Blood Bowl for probably about 26 years. I had a big gap um, because I moved I moved on to fantasy and, and 40K and you know, a few other bits and pieces along the way. Um, but when I came to the UK, it was a very different 40K scene. Um, like I still joined in, still went to the went to the grand tournaments or the, the uh, big events in Nottingham and along to the finals, etc. And you know, had a, had a few decent shots at, uh, at at trying to win, but um, really without the composition, composition, sportsmanship, and painting, it, it just felt different. Um, I, you know, the first thing I did when my my Chaos Army arrived from from Australia was I, I added, I think it was 18 heavy weapons to it before I took it to a grand tournament, um, which, you know, just, just kind of felt, felt different. Um, and, you know, the Blood Bowlers, uh, it's a, it's a smaller um, commitment in terms of, of painting, in terms of hobby. Um, and, you know, I think you can drink a lot more and, uh, and play competitive <laughs> Blood Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit more forgiving on that, front, I guess. <laughs> And, you know, I mean, sociable, I mean, you know, you go along to a club evening um, and you, you can comfortably get in, you should be able to comfortably get in, word to everybody, uh, two games in an evening, uh, whereas a lot of other game systems, you know, you're you're only going to get in one by the time you've, you know, rolled out the 40k terrain and, and deployed, you know, 100 models, um, yep. you know, it, it's, not, it's not a two-hour commitment. So... Yeah. Yeah, so, so Blood Bowl for me at the moment. So what, um, oh, I've lost track of who's asked the questions now. It's you, Al. It was, was going to be for me. It's like, so, you know, you've mentioned a lot of different game systems there. Um, are there any out there that you wish you could play more of currently? I mean, take uh, take out the COVID-19 thing. If, if, you were, if we were in normal life, what game system would you want to play more of? I'd want to play more 40k, to be honest, at the moment. I only had a few games uh, under the last set of the rules. Uh, I think the last set of the rules looked like a, a decent evolution towards um, a, a more tactical, more balanced game. Um, the problem I've got at the moment is I'm trying to figure out which version of the bloody rules I should be buying. And there seems to be, you know, the, the gamers edition, the collector's edition, the kids edition, the veterans edition. So um, I almost need online help. Uh, to figure out what uh, what rules pack I should be buying, but um, I'll, I'll sort that out. Um, and by the time we're out of lockdown, be looking for um, some games with uh, probably my orcs. To be honest, um, have a lot of fun playing with orcs. Okay, uh, what's your? I guess what's been your best gaming or tournament experience? Oh, there's 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 been a few. Um, probably a tournament called Complete Fanatic in in Victoria. <clears throat> I think it was the first Complete Fanatic. Um, and once again, it was a it was an event with all the all the soft scores and everything at it. Um, and I was I was lucky enough to win Complete Fanatic. Um, and at the same time as winning the tournament, I won Best Sportsman, which is is kind of unheard of in, in the top few tables. Usually, the the person that wins best sport is somebody that's that's brought along a, a reasonably jokey army and and is is really fun to play, but isn't really there to 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 be competitive. 
Um, so for me, it was it was being able to to still um, allow my opponents to have that much fun playing me, whilst whilst winning the event, um, felt like a a real major achievement. I remember that event. I was there as well. I remember it because I'm quite sure Sunday evening, as we were all drinking, we were laughing at how many trophies we had piled up around us. Like our <laughs> old gaming group. <laughs> the good old golden uh, D six. Yeah, because I I had the best painted army. Yeah. Um, plaque. You had first best sports. Somebody finished third. Can't remember who it was, but that was that was good. That was good fun. I remember that. I mean, one of one of the others, one of the other best moments was, uh, you know, once again that that gaming group. We called ourselves the Golden D Six because there were six of us, um, and we'd go along. And in, in in most events, there was a club prize, and you know, so clubs would go along, and there'd be you know twenty or thirty people from a club would turn up, and the six of us would rock up. And uh, it was I think it was an Arcanicon event, so probably a hundred and ten, hundred and twenty odd gamers, um, and the six of us turned up for our club. And we won the club prize, and it was just the, the you know the total total points that your um, your club had earned. So you know if you turned up with thirty people, you could you know, get thirty lots of of points. Well, the six of us won it. And I think there were four of us in the top ten, and the other two yep. were in the top twenty. And it was it was, it was just funny. It was, it was great yeah. fun. But that was that was the year I'm sure that everybody kicked off and said that we weren't a club because you couldn't join unless you were invited, and we didn't invite anybody. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so true. But um, yeah. Dave, in, in saying that, what's what's been your worst experience in a sort of gaming or tournament environment? I'm I'm sure it won't come as a surprise to to quite a few listeners. Um, I I had quite a disappointing World Cup uh, last year. Um, I think the you know the 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 crowd was great, um, but um, you know personally the the organisation of that um, I felt quite let down um, by the organisation of it. Um, I know that uh, that you know a lot of people have gone through a lot of heartache over over that event and over over the running of that event. I'm not meaning to to dredge that up or to to rub anybody's nose. And I just you know there was several times during that event where I was I felt like I was kind of sitting there for hours waiting for an update. Um, and if I'd been told that uh, you know yeah it's going to be two hours before we can start the next round, then I w- would have gone and done other things. Um, uh-huh. rather, I think I think the, the was it Thursday night. Um, I, I arrived and stood in a stood in a queue for two or three hours um, before being told, "Oh, you know, don't worry, just just come back first thing in the morning." Um, which, you know, other other people were were uh, you know through in the other room with the band and and enjoying themselves, and you know, people were coming in and, and, and chatting to us and 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 trying to keep us entertained. But you know, it was just it was kind of shit, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, and, and a dis- disappointment after. After you know Luca, which you know felt you know, I've been to a few World Cups now, and and Luca felt felt fantastic. It was yeah, and so after having that experience in Luca, I kind of I had high hopes um, for uh, for the most recent one, um, and unfortunately didn't live up to it in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Well, I won't say anything more on that. I think 
Bloodwell community heard enough from me in the weeks afterwards. Um, no. Disappointing as it is. Uh, Fella, I don't know if you've got anything to add to Dave's commentary on that. To the World Cup thing, uh, no, yeah. I, I, to I totally agree with Dave. You know, there is, there is opportunities for uh, for things missed. You know, and it was it was disappointing that uh, that went down the way it did. You know, I think, uh, like like Dave said, the amount of sitting around waiting, not knowing, um, just et into any uh, available social time. Uh, really, you know, I mean, I know we were still sitting, chatting to each other while we were waiting, etc, etc, but we were, most folk were trying to keep in their own groups, so just in case the rounds got called. Yeah. Um, you know, it just kind of made things hard, and I think there was one night in particular, we were, I think it was after 10 o'clock when we finally ended up uh, uh, getting somewhere to go and have something to eat, and there was, uh, I think the, the Saturday night, it was the Saturday night, the pizza night, yeah. Aye, so we, we barely found anywhere to eat and ended up ordering pizza and that must have been about half eleven or something. You know, it was uh Yeah, it was, yeah, I mean, it was tough. I also I, I also really felt for any anybody that that had that had bought, you know, family members, you know, partners with them because, you know, that was that was something that I had had considered after after the, the sort of the WAGS experience in, in Italy. They they had a great time. And, you know, if you bought your partner to that, you'd uh, you had some some seriously upset um, partner by the end of that weekend, I I reckon. Yeah, like like Al said, I guess best not dwell on it. I know I know it's been what was that? That was just the uh, um, the year's anniversary, not that uh, yeah, not last weekend, but the weekend and before something like that. Yeah. Um, which uh, I remember seeing our, our 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 kind of thing pop up on the on on my feed. Yeah, uh, let's, uh, let's not dwell on it. I mean, it's, no, it's good. Uh, I mean, we've all got the worst gaming experiences and tournament experiences, and and I, you know what, I'm sure I answered the same when we went through these questions with ourselves, Phil. Yeah, I think I think yeah, that was what you said as well. Uh, or I was it? Know, no. Like, no, it wasn't. I had a Dave might remember that I had a really bad Arcanicon when it was like forty degrees, and I was oh stuck the heat, the heat. I was stuck in the dance hall for like four out of six rounds, and I almost died. Yeah, I, I really didn't have a good time in that one. But we should, we should, we should, we should push on, Phil. You're, yeah, you're yeah. Next question, mate. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what's your favourite team or army for any chosen game system? So, I guess you've mentioned forty k blood bowl, so you might as well kind of pop in with those ones. Well, you know, I could, and I will in a minute. But my favourite is probably my Bretonians for Warhammer Fantasy Battle. Um, I bought I bought an army. Well, sorry, Age of Sigmar. I'm still Square Basin guys. Um, you don't exist in Age of Sigmar. You're okay. Yeah, I know, I know. So I can keep them on Square Bases. Um, I use I've used them for <clears throat> a few games of uh, the Mantic rule set um, with friends. Um, they're a lot of fun. Um, and I just you know knights. Who doesn't like big blocks of knights? Big big blocks of knights. It's great. Um, other game systems, you know, 40k. I've got. Uh, I really like my uh, converted um, Slaneshi Deathwing, um, which is actually the only one that complete fanatic with. Um, they're just just a lot of fun. Um, 
I uh, I bought them off somebody having having played against them. Um, it's done an incredible job on them. You know, you open the land raided doors and inside there's frescoes painted and there's you know glasses of wine on the tables and stuff in them. It's yeah, it's quite it's quite special. Um, so just because of how 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 nice the the conversion on those is slash was, um, I suppose a lot a lot of these things um, don't don't age or don't stand up to the current techniques and the current uh, the current models that are being produced. Um, Blood Bowl wise, yeah, there's look, there's a lot of there's a lot of favourites in in the Blood Bowl world. Um, I think probably league wise, one of my favourite league teams. Uh, that I had was Underworld. Um, mm-hmm. Just, just you know, the 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 coming as the underdog, and in a lot of games they probably shouldn't, um, especially once you've got some developed killers in there, um, and some two-headed goblins just doing their thing, um, and they're just they're just a bunch of fun to play. Yeah, they seem fun at tournaments as well, uh, with some yeah. of the builds you can get with them. So yeah, fun team. Oh, so with a lot yeah. of um, you know, with you talking about your favourite teams and armies, are you like do you paint more than you game or game more than you paint? I think we might already have alluded towards this, but I could I could do a collection. My fate my my favourite paintbrush is uh, a small company called Brushwork Miniatures, um, and they've done <laughs> they've done quite a few commissions for me in the past, and and will do in the future at a reasonable yeah. price, I assume. Um, uh, I, I, I have, I have painted, uh, many, many armies in the past. Uh, I think the last full army I painted was probably my, my ultramarines, uh, for, uh, 40k. Since then, there's been a few times I've, I've purchased an army and then added a lot of things to it. Um, but recently, um, I, I don't own a Blood Bowl team that I have painted. He says, slightly sheepishly um i own probably a dozen or 14 painted teams um wow. and some of them i've been lucky enough to uh had instances where i had you know had a friend borrow a team for a couple of seasons and sort of return it painted um which was quite nice they're, they're very nice Norse team yeah yeah that was uh, cam orty shout out to cam um the yeah i've, I've I've purchased a couple of painted teams, um, and the others I've been given a couple of painted teams. I've got a couple of people's painted teams who don't know I've got them. Um, yeah, so I've got a I've got a large collection of painted teams. But uh, yeah, my favourites are probably um, a cross between um, the High Elves uh, painted by Andy Meekin. Um, my uh, dark elves, which brushwork did, um, partially because I just like the the concept. It converted uh, from parts of of uh, dark elder and harlequin models, um, and yeah, I really like the the job that Cam did on my uh, my Norse. Lots of tattoos and and uh, yeah, but they're metal, so the more I play with them, the more chip they'll get, and uh, and they'll just deteriorate. So that's the disadvantage of not painting your own teams. Phil, yeah. I think you're next yep. up. Yep. So, um, do you have any great hobby ambitions? And if so, which what are they really? 
Well, I mean, I wouldn't be much of a, a Scottish Blood Bowl captain if I didn't say, you know, hosting a successful Euro Bowl, having won the hosting rights at the next uh, next Euro Bowl event. That's been our our collective goal uh, as a as a team uh, for the last several years. Um, unfortunately, we've we've fallen uh, we've fallen just short uh, on many occasions, um, but you know, we'll keep plugging away, and uh, I think the next event uh, may well be our day. Depends how many uh, how many ringers the the Maltese team can can get. So, with that being said, Dave, um, we'll get into the sort of specific questions um, about the role as captain. And so, what are your responsibilities as the Blood Bowl captain of Scotland? are you actually responsible for what am i responsible for the uh, the band of miscreants that call themselves scottish blood bowlers uh we run things slightly differently in scotland i think um we I think, attend I think, I think for our listeners um especially the rookie coaches they might not have a sense of how a whole nation picks eight players to go and represent themselves so feel free to explain elements yeah. as, as, you, as you think are required. Absolutely, absolutely. So Scotland, uh, when we travel to uh, a Euro Bowl, uh, Euro Open event, we travel as a squad. Um, so that would be the, the main team of eight and uh, usually uh, two, three or four um, teams for the Euro Open. Um, everybody's part of a, sort of a wider group. We we socialise together. We uh, we plan things together. Um, we we try and train together, um, and you know discuss things in an open forum with each other, which gives us a wider um, a wider group uh, for discussion and, and more opinions on things. Um, so, as the captain, um, I organise training events throughout the year. Although we haven't had any this year, thank you, COVID. Um, you know, make sure everybody's got uh, got the team strip. Um, I attend all of the Scottish uh, Blood Bowl events in the calendar to uh, you know, fly the fly the flag and uh, just sort of generally um, you know, get get people's opinion from a from a grassroots level of of, of how they're feeling about uh, about tournament play. Um, I also sit on the Scottish Blood Bowl committee. Um, that's a committee of uh, myself as the as the captain of Team Scotland, and uh, Purdy Purdendas uh, as the NAF representative, um, and uh, a representative from the North, the Central Belt, and the Exiles, um, who um, are voted in. Um, Phil was uh, was one of them for for the North uh, last year. Uh, year yeah, before last, last year. Uh, year. No, it was it was last year. <clears throat> last year. Um, so the uh, the role of the Scottish Blood Bowl Committee is to uh, oversee the Scottish Blood Bowl Championships. Uh, so Scottish Blood Bowl champs are um, all of the tournaments that that wish to be part and and apply to the committee to be part of the the tournament calendar um, to to 
have their results count as as points towards the Scottish Championships, um, a part of uh, the the collective group of Scottish tournaments. Um, the other tournament that's added to that is the NAF Champs every year. Um, yeah, and our rookie rookie coaches are very familiar with the NAF Champs. We do talk about it in every episode. <laughs> um, so the way we choose the team in in Scotland is the top four <gasps> coaches. Oh my God, you're he's, jumping ahead. He's jumping ahead. He's just doing what? his own fucking questions now. Oh. What, what a prick. Wait, it's, it's, part, it, it's part of my duties. Um, so the top four, the top four Scottish... Phil, 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 Phil. Wait, 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 official, official question. Calm down. And how does your country select its team for international duties? Oh, well, they they pick me um, and I pick uh, half the team and the other half is decided by the top four places at the Scottish Championships. So one of my roles as captain is to uh, fill out the team with uh, people that I think uh, fit with uh, with the the races that uh, that are available. Um, also, um, so anybody that wants to be selected as part of a captain's choice for the team um, puts a sends me an email and says, you know, here's why I, I think that I should be considered. Um, and I, I weigh up the pros and cons um, of those people um, and um, fill out the team from the from the top four in the Scottish Championships. If I am one of the top four in the Scottish Championships, um, then I choose four other people. Uh, if myself as captain is not one of the top four, then it's the top four in the Scottish Championships plus me plus three captain's choice picks. Right. And I guess a supplemental question um, with with those picks that the captain gets, they have to be eligible Scottish players for, for your nation, yeah? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, one of the, one of the things that I've seen, uh, I've been playing Scottish Blood Bowl for quite a few years. Uh, I attended... Uh, Bologna Euro Bowl um, as a, a Scottish rookie coach, and the next year I was captain. Um, mm. So uh, since then, um, I've attended all the Euro Bowls we've attended except for one, where unfortunately um, I had, fortunately, I had a, a family um, uh, all expenses paid trip to Florida um, to play at the Disney parks for a fortnight, um, which which happened to be over the Euro Bowl weekend. Um, so I I excused myself from captain's duties um, and uh, and decided that my relationship was more important than Blood Bowl. Um, and um, I, I went on, I went I went on the family holiday to uh, to Florida. Yeah. Um, I, or I, I must say that you know two years later when another uh, family holiday to Florida was being planned. I got involved early enough in the planning and made goddamn sure it wasn't on the Euro Bowl weekend. So that, um, yeah. So you've spoken about how the players are selected. When it comes to the actual races, um, how is that? How is that chosen? Who plays what? How is it decided? Uh, I mean, ultimately, it it is it's my call. 
Um, but um, as part of the Scottish Championships, we can see who's performing well with, with what races or has performed well with what races throughout the year. Um, and you know, some some people just just naturally slot into into teams. Um, you know, uh, there's some people that uh, that are jacks of all trade um, and can can take uh, a few different options. Um, you know, realistically, at uh, at high level competitive blood bowl with a team of eight, there's really only ten, maybe a dozen teams that you'd consider. Um, and and some of those. Only if the, the the bonus tiers for for tier two are um, uh, are worth worth the taking. Usually, usually it's worth the it's worth the risk on one or two of those teams. And the good thing with the the way the tournament calendar works is UKTC is is early enough in the year that you can take a few of those uh, uh, options out there and, and and play around with a few different races. What we did uh, last year, and we will. Um, continue to try and do again in the future is is uh, you know the Euro Bowl eight um, is decided in time to put two teams into um, UKTC um, mm-hmm. and that um, that means that you know the two of the in theory um, most competitive Scottish teams um, will be trying out um, some some of the different races or potential races for. Uh, Eurobowl. So you may see it may, if you played both of those two teams, for example, it'd be unlikely you'd play two Wood Elf teams. I think for our for our rookie coaches that are listening, the UKTC we've spoken about a little bit, but it's a teams event, teams of four, uh, and it's held in York in January in England. Um, if I've got that information incorrect, I'm sure Phil or Dave will correct me. Um, no, that's right. That's right. That is correct. With with what you're saying there, Dave, is that you can you can split a Euro Bowl main team into two halves and use it as a bit of a test bed then for yeah. for third, third yeah okay absolutely absolutely and you know we we did that for the first time last year um, and you know I, I think it works it gives gives people people more of an opportunity to play um, it, in the same team. And with with a group that they're going to be competing at, at Eurobowl, um, yeah, it's it's good to have that uh, that learning um, as a group. Do you have final say in the rosters themselves, Dave? Or are you uh, pretty flexible with uh, what people come up with? Um, I mean, in in theory, yeah, because I submit them. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but large, but largely largely it's. Uh, it's it's a it's a it's an iterative discussing process with with the teams. Um, we you know we have we have group chats and things like that to discuss and you know discussions with the wider squad. We've got um, we've got um, you know people that run some some stats and, and look at how things are how things have been going, uh, like what what uh, what people have been using in successful teams. Um, Historically, which really helps to, you know, somebody sits and goes, oh, you know, the, no, no, the, you've got to take both whites and you've got to take, you've got to take three goals and, and you've got to do this and you've got to do that and an undead team. And somebody sits there and goes, well, you know, actually I've had a look at it and this person did something very different. And usually you'll find that that's, uh, that's what somebody's done different with skills as opposed to, 
major differences in in the composition of teams. Most of the most of the teams there's there's very little uh, difference in in the composition of a lot of top uh, top tournament teams. So with the team being selected and the rosters being selected, once you've got that all together, Dave, is there any sort of team structure that you impose or that's imposed upon you? Like, you know, do you have to pick a vice captain or anything like that? Uh, traditionally, we haven't uh, gone with vice captains, although arguably last uh, last UKTC, because we split into into two groups of four, um, we had myself uh, leading one group and uh, Purden Das and Purdy uh, leading the other. I think uh, that worked well, and I think going forward um, we would we would look to to continue to do that. So I think you know, going forward there will be a sort of an, an official um, vice captain uh, cap within the team, and and their their main role would be uh, you know leading the other Eurobowl group. Um, and sorry, the other UKTC group and helping to um, organise the training days um, and uh, sort of sharing a bit, a bit of the, more of the load on in terms of those. Cool. Um, so I guess um, if you decided to relinquish your duties, um, how would the future captain be chosen? I relinquish my duties after every Eurobowl. Um, so the way the captain of Team Scotland is chosen is, as I've said before, there's a uh, the whole squad that goes along is is part of the part of the selection for it. So everybody that comes along representing Scotland in in Eurobowl and and Europen, um, we have a a captain's discussion um, in previous. Uh, and there was a smaller group. Um, we were able to kind of do a captain's dinner, um, but it's it's kind of become uh, it's quite good that it's become a, a larger group. Um, and um, these days we do a, a discussion, um, and it's uh, it's been been structured a lot more um, in recent years so that we can get through what needs to be discussed um, in uh, you know hopefully about an hour or so to chat. Um, so. Um, Every year, bowl, uh, we get the script together, and um, I um, invite anybody that wants to be uh, throw the name in the hat for voting for um, captaincy to do so. Um, I would then um, usually put my own name in, um, or and, and get seconded um, by others. Um, and then there's a vote, there's a sealed vote. Um, and the result is then released to that group. Um, everybody's voice is, is equal um, in that group. I think that's a good way to do it. I think if you're if you're willing to um, to spend the time and the effort uh, traveling internationally to represent Scotland um, in Blood Bowl, either at Europen or Eurobowl, then you're the group that should be voting for the captaincy of that team. Uh, there has been uh, discussions previously about throwing it open to a wider group of of society or of the Blood Bowl community. Um, but I think those that, that are part of that discussion and part of that group feel that you know, we're, we're voting for a Euro Bowl captain um, and we should do so at a Euro Bowl event. 
um, and the captaincy uh, runs uh, until the next uh, Eurobowl event. So in the event of a World Cup year, um, you, you're technically the Scottish captain, um, although there is no Team Scotland at a, at a World Cup. Um, and you, uh, so you sit on the committee for, for two years during that period rather than just one. Um, and uh, yeah, similarly this year, um, there has not been a Eurobowl. Um, the Scottish uh, Football Committee has discussed um, well, numerous things to do with COVID and to do with tournaments and to do with captaincy, etc. Um, and the, the current decision is that we just uh, keep going with, uh, with what we've got at the moment, um, both in terms of captaincy and in terms of the, the Eurobowl team that was supposed to be playing in Poland last weekend. Um, they will be uh, COVID-willing, uh, representing Scotland uh, in Poland uh, in 12 months' time. Perfect. So, I guess a little bit of a, not so much a bookkeeping question, but during the, the Eurobowl event itself, what sort of um, team management you get to do with the players as the captain? <laughs> uh, yeah, tra traditionally it was uh, it was uh, herding cats. Um, you know, I think Scottish Blood Bowl has has grown a lot in in my tenure as captain. I mean, I, uh, some of that um, is probably to do with uh, with me, but I think a lot of it's to do with uh, you know grassroots clubs um, expanding. Uh, you know, Aberdeen being uh, sort of one of the major areas of growth there. <clears throat> Um, so we're now in a position where, where we have, uh, we have selection for the team. Uh, you know, when I first started, I went along to my first year of somebody had dropped out. Um, we had a year, a couple of years later, where we couldn't make the numbers even with two freebooters. So mm. it's it's good that we're at the situation we are now. Um, but main responsibilities, um, you know, trying to make sure that uh, that uh, everybody's having a good game. Uh, not feeling bullied by uh, often uh, this, there are situations where you know you're you're the last person on on your team to to be finishing your game and there's uh, you know half a dozen loud Europeans on the other side of the table um, shouting and supporting their their player and you've uh, got to try and you know get your other Scottish teammates on your side of the table um, supporting supporting your um, your last player, often it's when it's coming down to the wire and, and the, the, who wins that game is going to be the one that, the team that wins the round and there's a lot more pressure on that on that player um, to, to you know, perform and to, to get the result you've asked for. And I mean, all, in, in terms of the results you've asked for, um, you know, several times during a round, um, I'll get feedback from uh, various members of the team. Uh, we have in the past used card systems um, uh, to determine uh, how your match was going. So, uh, you know, a, a neutral card uh, on a card holder stuck out in front of you in the middle of the table, indicating that you're, you're probably going to get a draw um, and a win card and a loss card. So as the captain, you can stand up and glance down the table and sort of go, okay, we've got, you know, we've got two wins and, and four draws and two losses. Um, so you can say to in that situation, you'd say to a couple of people looking like they're playing for a draw, you're like, look, guys, you know, 
I, I need you to push for the win. Um, and that's that's part of, you know, team play. Uh, you know, team tournaments and team play are not for everybody. Um, there are situations where, you know, you, you'll be asked, you know, you're sitting on a comfortable draw and you're like, I'm perfectly happy during this game. And the captain will be the one that comes up and says to you, I know you're perfectly happy during that game, but I need you to win it. Um, and, you know, sometimes that's a hard message to deliver. Um, some people uh, take it better than others. Um, but, mm. but ultimately, that's, you know, that's, that's the job of the captain. The job of the captain is to try and um, steer the team, all eight of you, uh, into a team result for each round and, and for the tournament. Um, whereas the, the individual members of the team, uh, their responsibility is to you know, sit down at the table and, and firstly, you know, have an enjoyable game of Blood Bowl. Secondly, try and win it. Um, and thirdly, you know, if they're told by the captain, you know, don't don't do anything stupid, just nail on that draw, then you know that's what you do. Um, and uh, you know, that's that's team events. Yeah. So, um, what what do you reckon has been your single greatest success as captain so far? Um, I uh, I thought about this question, um, and whilst not not specifically um, my captain's um, uh, result, um, I, I couldn't go past the the Thistlehurt um, Year Open third place in 2018. Um, you know, they they were they were part of our squad, um, and we were all just just so proud of of what those three did. Um, that was in, that was that was, in that was Wales, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was I think you know you were you were both there, I believe. Yeah, we um, we, we didn't do as good as that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know that that just felt felt fantastic as a as a as a squad as a as a, as a group um, to to be there to to cheer on um, some of your some of your squad members that had. Uh, had uh, you know achieved that, and that's I think that's probably um, you know one of the one of the pinnacle events of of Team Scotland um, representation at Eurobowl. Um, and the flip side of that, then what um, what would you say is your maybe not greatest failure, but maybe lowest point as Scottish um, captain? Oh, it was it was round three. I can't. I can't remember what uh, what Euro Bowl it was. We'd gone down in a couple of close rounds. It's a it's a, a Scottish uh, habit to to lose a round by half a point, which is uh, you know just just turning one of those draws into a win uh, would would get you the round win. And we'd lost the first two rounds uh, by half a point, and um, it was I was playing the Wood Elves. Um, because you know that year, um, you know we, we had discussions with numerous people, and and people didn't feel they wanted the pressure of playing the Woodies. Um, and as captain, I kind of looked around and went, "Somebody's got to play the Woodies, geez." Um, and you know, I was drawn against the halflings, and I was like, "Excellent halflings, great! This will be fun." Um, he uh, he chefed me, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. took my re- took my rerolls and then killed my leader in turn one. So I played the entire game with Woodies without uh, without rerolls. It was a very very quick game. 
um, because the first or second thing I did in every turn um, was was to turn over. Um, so, you know, I'd, I'd move a couple of players and then, and then have to roll the dice. I'd be like, oh, do I have to? Okay, I have to. It's all right. I only need a... Yep, one won't cut it. Oh, oh it's a two-dice block. Double scales. Hmm. And it was just, just one of those appalling rounds. Um, and... You know, going on on the back of two two round losses before, I was just I was feeling quite dejected and uh, and quite low. And then I kind of turned around and uh, and looked down the table, and there's big beaming smiles from everybody else on the table. And it, I think I think we I think we went you know six and a half um, to, to to one and a half or something like that in in the round. So everybody else had a great round, and I just kind of you know picked myself up personally um, from my. Uh, embarrassing defeat to flings and um yeah just went along and celebrated with the rest of the team just got the beers in i think that sounds like beautiful and wales from memory uh, no 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 dave wasn't no. captain in wales i was not captain in wales and yeah no that was the year then then yep. it wasn't wales <laughs> yep oh well. it wasn't wales yeah. However, the past. The past, the past, and uh, you know, I uh, I didn't forget those uh, those pesky flings. Uh, the only time, the only time I've played halflings uh, in a tournament or otherwise, I took halflings to Granite Bowl um, and um, won the Stunty Cup with them by yeah. getting us getting a series of draws against Tier One teams with. Uh, with Deep Root leading the way. It was a lot of fun. So, Dave, last question on this round uh, of uh, interrogation. Uh, so what are your goals for the future of Blood Bowl in Scotland? Uh, yeah, continue growing. Um, you know, more more tournaments. It would be good if we could have a, a Scottish tournament uh, each month of the year. Um, you know, I alluded before to, to successfully hosting uh, Eurobowl. Um, you know, it will come. Uh, it will come to us, um, and we will be, uh, as a as a captain and as part of the committee, we'll be reaching out to blood bowlers uh, up and down the country, and uh, you know, looking for looking for help to to help us organise and, and and run that event, because um, because it'll be a challenge. It's it's on a scale of. You know, the Eurobowl now is bigger than the, the, the first World Cup was. It's um, There's a lot of people um, come along to a to Eurobowl event. Um, so, yeah, but uh, predominantly just uh, keep going, keep having fun, keep blood bowling. Yeah, I don't think we're far off having uh, one tournament a month in Scotland now. We're close, um, yeah. Yeah, I think it's getting to the point where, because there's obviously some we don't want to uh, overly conflict with uh, some of the bigger tournaments. So I think January is usually kept clear for UKTC and uh, although Granite Bowl's in, in May, it's after uh, the NAF champs at the other end of the um, other end of the month. But yeah, I think, so we've got we normally have, yeah I pretty much every, every month apart from January, September and October October uh, October is usually kept free as well. Yeah, that's right. Oh no, September. Oh no, September is uh, free too. Yeah, so we 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 could do a kind of uh, getting some more. But there again, do a couple more. Yeah, 
um, where and how much how much uh, interest we would get in December and stuff like that. You know, it's well, I think it's difficult. Any event, any event in December in any country is probably going to be a dud. Yeah, I think there's a there's a concept that I'd like to try, which is uh, free bowl. Um, which is something that may may work early on in a, in a December, where you just sort of you know announce you know, six months in advance what uh, what pub you're going to be going to on a specific day for a for a three rounder, and um, just just run it on the day. Uh, I I agree that anything anything too overly organised in a in a December environment with family pressures at that time of the year yeah. isn't uh, isn't going to fly. Pink, and it's also important to give people time if you don't want them to burn, burn out from that sort of thing yeah uh, yeah i think you're right you know if you it's good to have stuff in in the calendar and get get stuff in there but we don't want folk uh getting burned out uh, yeah, on it. so with that all being said and done that is um end of our very first captain's table so uh as the captain for Scotland, have you got any sort of final closing thoughts? Have did you enjoy the experience? Well, I'm I'm still waiting for uh, for Phil to go uh, deeper than the first knuckle. Um, you know, he's been he's been rather gentle. Um, it's uh, you know it's it's been good to talk to you guys. I uh, I like what you're doing um, in terms of you know podcasting, getting the getting the blood bowl word word out there. Um, stoking the the fires of the, the Scottish blood bowl community. Um, it's good to see. It's good to see. It's good to be part of. And and thanks for uh, inviting me along to be part of this experience. It's our pleasure. But we've we've just got one more section to um, finish off on, Phil. If you want to introduce us into that. Yeah. So uh, final section for this podcast is our best endeavours section. So what we're hoping to get done for our next time round, uh, either playing games or um, buying shit or painting stuff so uh, Al, go for it Well I um, so we're in the middle of almost the middle of October now uh, this time next month I should be balls deep in moving house um, so by the end of November I should be in a new house uh, that's a pretty big goal I need to achieve um, before I actually get to paint any toy soldiers. But the one thing I really, really need to do is I really need to avoid getting the wooden spoon uh, in our extraordinary lineman's league on football. <laughs> I thoroughly need to avoid doing that. Close enough. I think it's it's still mathematically possible for that to happen. So yeah, I think I very much need to beat uh, my next opponent, which is Stephen Brands, who is playing Corn. Uh, is, is that yeah, it? that's right. Yeah, yeah, and that's I need to win that game pretty bad. I think you need you need to win that game, and um, that that kind of nails it off. Um, if you lose, um, and Hipster Potter wins, then it'll be down to how much you lose by. Uh, it'll be a tight one. Right. Well, look, there's a lot of maths going on there, so I think that's a pretty decent goal for myself is uh, not to win a wooden spoon online. So let's let's just stick with that. 
Dave, even though you're not going to be on the next podcast, sadly, what are you hoping to get done in the next month? Well, he says turning to the, turning to the pile of mortal engines, uh, mortal realms, um, cellophane beside me. Um, I'd like to at least open it all up um, and and put it all in the folder, and then uh, progress. I've got some some sigmarites and some some undead uh, on the painting tray in front of me, uh, which is mm-hmm. good. Um, you know, maybe put some put some water in the in the water jug for the for the for the paint. That that might be a good start. And um, yeah, progress through them. Phil, go on. Phil, dazzle us with all your achievements. Well, uh, I don't know what I'm going to end up doing. Uh, so I I would like I'd like to put a good account for myself in in the final game in the. The League of Extraordinary Linemen. I think uh, if I could beat um, Huntley Loon, I think that'd be fantastic. He's a good player. Um, so yeah, um, if I don't win that, at least I've come second, so that's fine. Um, other stuff wise, um, I'd like to be fairly far on with the the giant um, by the next time we we put the podcast out. Um, I'm trying to think. I'm 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 kind of feeling a bit off painting at the moment, so um, just trying to get my motivation back for it. So I, I don't know if I'll get much painted. Uh, I just thought it'd be nice to paint something I, uh, I I fancied this time round. So I'll give that a crack. As far as other games go, I'll probably end up playing a few more games on uh, on BB two, even though I'm sick of the fucking thing at the moment. Um, and. Uh, Give the Alba Liga uh, go on the the goblins. Uh, just see what happens with that. Um, but yeah, no, that should be should be a good laugh. Um, what uh, what platform are you playing BB Two on, Phil? PC. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Hit me hit me up sometime and I'll um I'll give you again. Smash the fuck out of me. You might as well because my uh, my armor uh, just doesn't seem to work at all. Excellent. Sounds great. Uh, you're really, you're really selling yourself there, Phil. <laughs> hey, it'll be comedy uh, one way or the other, anyway. Um, it's good value for the opposition. <laughs> good sell player points. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely, it's a, it's a worthwhile game. You know, it's uh, once you've smashed uh, all of my armor nine guys off by significantly, uh, just uh, powering away through uh, that armor nine. By rolling consistent tens uh, every turn, you know that 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 that'll happen. It's happened all games, all the games. Ah, fucking blood bowl. I know it's a bitch, but um, well, rookie coaches and other listeners, that has uh, come to an end for episode seven. Uh, Captain Stable Scotland. So I think. I would very much like to thank uh, the Kilted Kiwi for coming on board to um, answer the 20 questions. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to have you on in future episodes with more talk from the Scottish perspective of Blood Bowl and hopefully with some Eurobowl results. If um, if you're keen to come back on, would, uh, would that be something you'd be interested in doing? Absolutely. Sounds great. Good. All right, Phil. Well, that's, uh, that's all from me. And Phil, have you got anything to... Finish off with? No, that's us. Uh, thanks very much for joining us, Dave. Uh, it's been a pleasure as always. Um... 
<laughs> I could have said that with a bit more conviction. Uh, no, no, I, I fucking love talking to Dave. He's a he's a good guy. <laughs> all right, all right, Ricky coaches, keep an ear out for the future episodes. Um, hopefully, we'll be talking more about Blood Bowl 2020 uh, and more stuff that you guys can get on board with. Okay, see you later on. Thank you. Goodbye. Cheers. Bye.